be happy now. I don't care about the future. I want to be happy right now. And so that's when I decided like, I got to leave and I got to think about what would make me happy now and do that. So I asked myself, what makes me happy now? Well, if I had it my way, I would want to travel the world with my sister and talk about art. Let's do it and we can have a podcast about it and that'll give us guidelines. If you've ever dreamt of traveling the world while podcasting or just have an idea that feels far-fetched or like you're reaching for the stars, then this episode might give you just the confidence you need to explore that big idea. About two and a half years ago, I answered a call from an indie podcaster who wanted some advice on just how to make this kind of podcast dream a reality. Travel to art museums around the world to create a podcast that takes art off its pedestal. Her name is Brandy Lynn, and the spoiler here is that she did it. And when she got back from her podcast travels, I hired her as my assistant. Here is my conversation with the amazing Brandy Lynn. Hi, welcome back. I'm Barcy, your host, and we are here today with another special guest in the podcast world. Her name is Brandy Lynn, and she, you may have heard me talk about her before. She's become an integral part of my business as my assistant, but she's also a podcaster, and that's why she's here talking with us today. So welcome, Brandy. Hi, thank you, Barcy. So happy to be here. I'm so glad that you agreed to do this with me. So I'm going to talk a little bit about how we met because I think it's pretty cool. It also speaks to your podcast story. So the first time we ever talked was actually a few years ago when I was first starting my, my company. I think I was maybe in my first year, actually, at the time called Barcy Productions. And we were connected over the phone through a good friend of mine, Joy Shannon, and she was your a teacher of yours, right? What, what was she teach? I forget what uh, subject it yeah. was. Uh, this this ties in, but she actually was my first art history teacher, as oh, well as <laughs> printmaking and mixed media. But like the first thing was art history. Wow. Okay, yeah. cool. That's so perfect. It does tie yeah. in and everyone will understand why <laughs> very soon. But um, she was like, I have a student who would you talk to her? She's thinking of starting a podcast. And I was like, of course, anything for you, Joy. <laughs> Um, plus, I love talking about that. I could talk about that all day, as you know. So that's the first time we talked. I thought you were so smart and so forward thinking in what you were about to create. I was like really hoping that you would actually do it. And also thinking like, I don't know, this is really ambitious of an idea. <laughs> and like part of me thought like, she's probably not going to do it. <laughs> <laughs> not, well. And like, not because of you, just because I couldn't wrap my head around the, the amount of planning that would need mm -hmm. to happen to do mm -hmm. what you did. And I'm, I'm teasing it a little bit. So everyone stay tuned because we're going to talk a lot about what it is that she actually did. But that was the first time that we talked um, about creating that very interesting, ambitious podcast. And then flash forward at least, what was it, like two years later after that mm -hmm. or a year and yeah. a half at least? yeah. Back was August 2020, so last year, a year from almost exactly a year. Our anniversary is coming up. <laughs> I know, almost. <laughs> yeah. And I was burnt out city over here in my business because of 2020 and because of podcasting was just booming and we had to pivot, pivot, pivot. That's the word of 2020s. Everyone mm -hmm. was pivoting. I had to do that as well. All my clients had to do that as well. And we had to find ways to keep everyone in the game, growing, and transition to being at home and all of this stuff. And everyone wanted to podcast. So I was working <laughs> around the clock. And I was like dreaming about having a virtual assistant. I was like, God, I just know I need help so bad. I don't know how this is going to work. I don't even know where I would have time to even explain what I need that person to do. Like, it just felt so far away from from reach at the time. But I was thinking about it every day and I remember sitting down at my desk one morning before I started anything. I didn't even open my emails yet and I always write my daily tasks on this little index card so that I can like cross things off and not overstack my day even though I still was doing that but I was trying to make the paper as small as possible so that I could <laughs> write just a couple of things on it and at the very bottom I wrote 
I wrote, uh, hire a female identifying POC virtual assistant. It was very specific. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I was like, okay, I don't know, whatever. I don't. I, I flipped it over kind of frustrated and was like, ah, I, don't, I have no idea how this is going to work out. Opened up my emails and in all caps, I think, it was like in bold, I was like, <laughs> need a virtual assistant? And I was like, what? Are you fucking with me right now? Like, what is happening? It's your, it was, it's your FBI agent watching you through the webcam. Yeah, but I was assuming it was spam, right? I was like, mm-hmm. there's no way. Like, this is too hilarious. And then I looked at who it's from, and I was like, I recognize that name. <laughs> Not spam. I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> it's Brandy. Like, <laughs> oh, my God. Because you kind of were like, oh, I'm, I'm done traveling, and I'm back, and... Mm-hmm. And you were like, I, I would love to work in the podcast space. Do you know anyone? It's <laughs> <was> like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I do. Yes. <laughs> <It's> me. <laughs> um, so do you want to tell your side of that story a little yeah, bit? Yeah, that's, inc- that's incredible because I remember just like sitting at home. I had like done my big thing. I came home at my parents' house and like I had a job. I, everything was going in quarantine hit and my job disappeared and I was just like spiraling (laughs) like sitting on my bed on LinkedIn like jobs search spiraling and trying to find something and I knew that I wanted to like do a remote job I wanted to do something like virtual assisting because it's what I was good at and I had experience in and I was like I could do that but like how do you start and I was so afraid to like reach out to people and get rejected or ignored or something and so I was just sort of like freaking out every day (laughs) and then I I was like you know I'm gonna do it and I'm gonna let them tell me no if they want to tell me no and if if they ignore me that's the worst that's gonna happen and so I just I remember emailing you thinking like ah maybe she knows somebody who's like gonna hire somebody part-time or I don't know maybe she'll just say hi and (laughs) I had no idea that you like needed help I I thought that you were like so good (laughs) had it covered so I was just like please, please let her like know someone I could talk to. And yeah, and then it just worked out. You were like, you want to talk? And I was like, oh, shit, this is happening for real. And it was kind of amazing. So yeah, it just and then it just happened. It happened so fast, I think, for both of our expectations. Yeah, I did not think I was like, I'm going to create a business. I'm going to be a virtual assistant. I'm going to have clients. I was not thinking that. I was like, I just... I can do this and I want to try this and I know no one will want to hire me, but let's try anyway. (laughs) Oh, wow. That's so interesting because you're so professional and you're so good at what you do. And it's, it's interesting to hear all of the fear you had to walk through and the fear of rejection and the fear of doing something for the first time in terms or doing it differently, I should say, for the first Mm -hmm. time in the midst of so much anxiety going on in the world and yeah having kind of like being forced into it a little bit yeah kind of and I was I was ready to walk away from like corporate life forever I really did not want to go back and I felt like the universe was pushing me back to a place I knew I didn't want to be and Mm -hmm. so I was like how do I use what I know from there but like not go there and and virtual assisting sort of appeared as something like this perfect like middle ground that I knew I wouldn't hate because I wasn't like in that corporate world anymore but I was still using what I was good at you were de- definitely you're le- you're leveraging your skills for sure, and and I, I I think I mentioned you maybe once in every podcast. So <laughs> really, <laughs> like anyone's listening, like you're definitely an integral part of like what makes things work in my world. So it's been a lovely experience, all to say. Thank you for sharing that. Thank you for sharing your side of that story and for mm-hmm. being here. But let's dive in. Let's dive into some podcasting stuff. Yeah. But before we do, I do want to know a little bit more about you because you're an artist and Mm -hmm. you, as we know, because Joy was one of your art teachers, my friend Mm -hmm. Joy, who is a guest on the podcast. If you guys want to listen, she was on the show last year and she has a really great episode about um, all kinds of stuff, but a lot about music. But tell us about yourself as an artist and your journey just a little bit and your time at Cartoon Network, which is pretty cool also. Yeah, uh, totally. So I, you know, grew up the kid who liked to draw. And so I ended up going to an arts high school, which is where Joy taught, which is why I could take things like printmaking and mixed media and like jewelry and oil painting, photography and all these things because I went to a very special art school. It's called uh, 
OXA now, but it used to be called OSHA, Orange County High School of the Arts. And I, I studied art there and I really liked it. And I had this idea, I remember in like senior year, I was thinking like, oh, you know, I'll, I'm good at like, maybe I'll be a teacher or, or maybe I'll like, I don't know, like I'll have to figure out what I want to do. And then I sat there and I was like, what do I like to do? What do I like mm. to do for fun when I have my free time? I was like, I like to draw. I'm learning how to draw. Why don't I actually try to do that for a job? Like, it didn't occur to me that I could try that until I was, like, applying for colleges. Wow. Yeah, I just thought, like, it was just sort of, like, a fun thing I was doing and getting to learn about. But I was like, it's never going to be a job. And then I was like, well, somebody has to do that job. Why not me? And that's a thought I've kept with me a long time. So... I started applying for like animation schools. I wanted to do concept art. I had watched the behind the scenes of Lord of the Rings and was <laughs> really into it. I was like, ooh, drawing dragons and like elves and stuff for a living. Sounds amazing. So uh, I ended up going to Chapman University and they have their animation program there. And I remember like learning to draw, really getting into it, seeing the like skills and the passion that was required. And I sort of had like a breakdown in the middle of college and I realized that I wasn't having fun anymore, wasn't mm-hmm. having fun drawing, getting too overwhelmed with all the assignments and all this stuff. And and so I was like, wait, this isn't working. This is making me not want to draw. Mm-hmm. I don't want to do this anymore. So halfway through college, I switched from wanting to be the artist to being the like, whatever else <laughs> in animation. So... That art kind of became like a hobby, like a precious hobby that I that I loved, and I wanted to keep as it was. I didn't want to put pressure on it. I didn't want to make it hard. So mm. I now treat that as like something I only do for me, something I only do when I want to, how I want to. And so I do little challenges for myself, like on Instagram, I'll be like drawing whatever I think of, however I want, whatever I want, on whatever I want. Because it's all about like taking the pressure off that I was so used to putting on it. So as an artist, that's that's how I treat it nowadays. But then speaking to Cartoon Network, I went into the corporate side. I decided I wanted to work like what the producers do or what the developers do, the executives. I got a bunch of different internships, one of which was at Cartoon Network. And I learned all about uh, current, season, current series and development. And development, basically, they're the people who make the new shows. Like People pitch ideas to them. They make them into the show. And I was like, oh, amazing. Sounds so cool. So right. I, uh, I ended up, like, halfway through college, like, my, my summer before my senior year, getting an email from one of my old managers at Cartoon Network for my internship saying, like, an assistant is leaving do you want to like temp for the summer and I was like hell yeah I do fuck yeah I do and this was on a bus going to my like retail like minimum wage job at downtown (laughs) Disney I was working like basically Build-A-Bear for boys where they make cars and (laughs) I was like I'd worked that job for like three weeks and I was like ah you know we all got to work retail sometime and then I got this email like on the bus like after you know whatever long shift and I was like oh my god yes like I'll come tomorrow so I I I started there and I I basically worked as a temp for the summer applied for the job I was already working got that job and then my entire senior year of college I was also working full-time at Cartoon Network as an assistant in the current series department like being in the mix of it that was hard I don't recommend it so wait you worked two jobs at Cartoon Network at the same time did I hear that right no I I did I I was graduating college and working at Cartoon Network at the same time okay that's equally if not more hard (laughs) yeah it was tough because I had to make like a senior film and I was working full-time so that was that was pretty tough But um, I did it and I ended up bouncing around a little bit, ended up in development where I wanted to be, worked up to being a coordinator and yeah, spent like three and a half, four years there at Cartoon Network. That's so amazing. Um, Real quick, can you tell us what what you did as a coordinator? Yeah. So basically we had like 30 to 40 different in development projects happening at the same time at different stages and somebody had to keep track of them where they all were who was on them like if legal was involved if we were hiring other artists all the things you had to take to basically make a pilot 
And then once it was a show, like it kind of left our hands. So uh. I, I made many a spreadsheet, was keeping track of all of that. Uh, and I would also yeah. like research new talent. I would spend lots of time on like Tumblr, or Instagram people at the office. Like they called me like the internet sleuth because I was just like all over the, the dark alleys of the internet trying to find cool artists and people that we wanted to hire or like know about to see if they'd want to make a show ever. So it was just a lot of juggling Ooh. of the different stuff and projects and, and talent. That is so interesting. So you were also the one kind of seeking out like who's the next thing, like the cutting edge, who's doing interesting stuff and who who can be brought in to keep everything fresh. Yeah, that's sort of a part of the job that everybody in this department sort of did. And we had a talent team who was like looking to hire for shows. But this was like, who could be someone who would make the next show? Who could be somebody who could like work on that project and, and make it special or like design something really cool for that next show versus like staffing the stuff we already had going? Right. That's so interesting. That's very cool. Mm-hmm. Also, what what a cool job to work your way up into. Yeah. And I can see where your skills suited that quite well based on yeah. what I see you do here with us at Avant House. But you said some really cool things in your story that were great discoveries that mm-hmm. I just want to give acknowledgement to because you said that you take it with you even today, which is the why not me? Mm-hmm. That's such an important thing to say to ourselves I think yeah what a cool thing to say what well why not me like why not it's got to be somebody right so why not me and then I love that you take that with you because I think that that is something that we can just keep asking ourselves right when we consider something that we'd like to have or do mm-hmm. and then the the realization you made in college that's really brave actually to recognize that and do something about it because sometimes we are like, well, this is what I'm here for, so I should just keep doing this. But instead, you kind of challenged yourself to try out the other things and kind of protect your joy. Yeah. That's really cool. I think that uh, I look back on my life and a lot of the decisions I made have been based on that fact of like thinking I want something, going for it, realizing I don't, and then having to like shift it so the things I do love don't get ruined in the process. So I have I did that in high school when I was like, maybe trying art. And I did that in college of no more art, maybe executive. And then I did that at Cartoon Network when I was like, none of this anymore, something else. Wow. Is that how you felt some transitioning and why you left corporate? Because um, mm-hmm. you were saying, you know, I don't want to be I don't want to go back. What made you decide that corporate is not for you anymore? Yeah. Can I tell you a story? Please. What happened? Yeah. yeah. So I remember like as a coordinator, one just one day, like, I don't know, a Tuesday or something, sitting at my desk, it was like five o'clock and I got up at six and I knew I couldn't do any more work. My brain was like fried. I was tired. And I just remember sitting there like wishing it was six o'clock, like waiting for the time to pass. I would just like scroll on Tumblr or something or like vaguely look at emails I knew I wouldn't be able to answer. And I and I had this realization sitting there, like, I don't know, 530 or something, thinking like, why am I wishing time away? Why am I wishing time would be gone? This is all I have. Like, I am living. Why am I wishing that this time I have is gone? And I was like, I can't let that go. I can't let that keep happening because it would happen like every day at five or if it was like a hard day, 4.30, whatever it was. And I kept on wishing to be six just so I could like go home, eat dinner and like pass out. And I was like, this, this can't stand anymore. And it wasn't the like, what I was doing. I really liked what I was doing. Again, like I was good at it and it was fun. I really liked the people I was working with. They were amazing. And I love art. I love animation. I was just like, so tired of being in an office I like wanted to see the sun and it sounds so cheesy and I didn't know that mattered to me but like Mm. I would like work so hard just so I could like sit by a window and do something and in an office no matter how many toys or fun things or like silly snacks there are around like Cartoon Network you still don't get a window if you're like 
mid-level. You get a window if you're an exec. So I was like, I hate that. Why do I have to work so hard for the sun? Why do I have to work so hard to just like be done when I'm done? So I was like, I need to like, I need to do something else. And people were telling me like, but you're so close. Like you're going to get a promotion. You're get, you're going doing so well. You could like be the next like head of development if you wanted. I had a lot of supporters at Cartoon Network and they were like, once you get there, like you'll have more flexibility. And I kept thinking to myself, like, I want to be happy now. Oh. I don't care about the future. I want to be happy right now. And so that's when I decided like, I got to leave and I got to think about what would make me happy now and do that. Wow. <laughs> that's so amazing like it, it really speaks to your wisdom and continuously like in every story you've told so far in the, in the few minutes that we've been recording already Thanks. there's just so much wisdom throughout each moment you're constantly reflecting and asking yourself the, the good questions of mm-hmm. you know am I still happy am I enjoying this and having a really good sense of like it's very grounded because you have a good sense of like my time here is finite. I mm-hmm. think typically a lot of young people are just, you know, up to a certain point, whatever that is for each person is like, you feel like you have an infinite amount of time to figure things out. Yeah. But I, I, th- I feel like you have a very grounded way of approaching and being precious about what you care about and, and you're including yourself yeah. in that. Like what, how do I best care for myself so that I keep having the journey I want and that it feel it has to feel good, and um, you're just very in touch with that. So thank you for for sharing that. That's really lovely to hear. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, it's a big deal. Yeah, I think that like I have, if I ever wrote a book, which I'm not probably not going to, because it goes against some of the stuff I believe that I'm going to talk about. But if I ever wrote a book, I would call it "Quit Your Dream Job," because I I follow the philosophy that like I do not dream of labor, I do not dream of work. And I had to come to that conclusion because so many people are taught, like, you know, if you work your dream, you'll, like, never work a day in your life or, you know, go for the crazy thing. And that's what I was doing. I was like, I want to have this amazing job where I work in entertainment. I tell people, oh, I work at Cartoon Network Studios. And they go, oh, my God, I wish I could do that. Like, that was what I thought in college. And and now I'm at the point of, like, the job is not what's going to make me happy. The job gets me money. Like, The job makes it so I can live. I will find the things that make me happy and do them, just like my drawing, just like my traveling and all that. And so, like, I made a choice to separate my passion and my job for a reason. I love everything about that. So so I feel like you're speaking to core values uh, on, like, we're dancing around that a little bit. We're not even dancing around it, but we we just haven't said it yet. Do you feel like you're Mm -hmm. in touch with what those are for yourself? I try to be, and I think that, like, the journey of life is, like, a pendulum swing of trying to get to you, get to you, like, capital Y, and Mm. every, like, decision you make where you're honoring that gets you a little closer, and it's not going to be right the first time you figure it out. Like, Mm. every time I've done it, I've, like, gotten closer, but it hasn't been, and I don't think it'll ever be because who you are always changes. Mm -hmm. But I I try to always get closer to me, whatever that is, to find that peace, to find that joy, because I can tell like in me, if I'm doing something that isn't aligned, like I'm going to be miserable. So that just like, keep it, keep it, you know, swinging closer to yourself as, as much as you can make it. That's a great way to walk through life. And I'm hearing peace. I'm hearing joy, hearing freedom. Mm -hmm. Like, I feel like those are at the top of your list of your check in with yourself. Like, am I, am I enjoying this? Is it fun? Do I still feel free? And those are for me too. So maybe they're easy to to identify for me because I feel the same way. And I'm doing a lot of that check in lately where it's like, how do I get more to these? How do I get closer to these um, as I move forward? It's uh, it's funny. I was talking to my sister the other day who is an artist and she's like a fine artist. She has a studio practice and mm-hmm. she was joking around with her teacher about like how hard they work and the things they want to do and what they want to create and how it's like this drive. And she was like, what does Brandy want to do? Like, what is Brandy interested in? And my sister was talking about it. And she was like, oh, she doesn't care about that. She just wants to be happy. 
<laughs> she doesn't have to leave some big legacy. She doesn't have some pool to create something. She just wants to be happy. And, and her teacher was like, what? <laughs> As people who work in art, you feel like you've got to grind. You've got to like suffer for your art. You need to like think about it constantly. This like bigger pull towards something. And I'm like, I just want to be happy now. Yep. So speaking of doing doing things, you yeah. you created a couple of podcasts. I think you have a few actually, but I have two. You have yeah. two. Okay. And mm-hmm. there's the one I want to dig into that we had our conversation about that first time we talked, but you started a different podcast before that one. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that and why you love podcasting and how that all started? Sure. So this was while I was in the middle of working at Cartoon Network, and my friend Hope had moved across the country. She had moved to New York. And I was like, I want a reason to talk to her every week, and I want to lose touch. And she's really funny, and I like to hear her talk. Let's, like, find something that we both love that we can talk about, you know, once a week or every other week and make a podcast about it. That was, like, as far as it went. And we decided that we both love paranormal stuff like cryptids urban legends ghosts the thing we have in common is we're both huge cowards but we both <laughs> like need to know <laughs> so we created spooky shit which uh is yeah is something that we do on and off we've been doing it for years now we actually live together so it worked we are still friends <laughs> we managed to talk consistently she brought you brought it brought you closer because she came yeah. back <laughs> It did. It did. And now I know some of her deepest fears and she knows some of mine. And we do that and we put it like at a very low pressure, just like with my art that I draw on trash, just like with most things I like. We call it spooky shit because it's supposed to be shitty. It's like we don't we don't care about if it happens consistently. We will do it when we want to. And that's the point. Mm. And uh, we just talk about all sorts of dumb, scary things. It's great. I love that. And and so it's hard to keep something going for that long. So mm-hmm. what do you think has been, especially now that she lives with you, what keeps it going now for you? Yeah, I think it's the fact that we just have fun doing it. And when we don't have fun doing it, we stop doing it. And we don't feel this like, uh, you know, obligation to to have it going perfectly consistently. Like when I went on my trip, it just stopped for like a whole year. We just mm. didn't do it. And we didn't say anything. We just did it. And I'm sure the people who listen get annoyed, but we take that pressure all the way down. So we don't have this weird, like, must be perfect because I am the the type of kid of like people pleasing, overachiever, burnt out, gifted kid. Like Mm. I had that my whole childhood. So at this point, everything I do is like, if it's crap, great. Are we having fun? That's all we need to know. I love that. I love that as a perfectionist myself, where mm-hmm. I have I have to find ways to not feed the beast, you know? Yes. Yeah. And actually, it's why I started this podcast originally. The first few episodes are like, fuck fear and go make shit and go make it <laughs> shitty and yeah. record it on your phone. Who cares? Like, just do the thing. You know, it's all about starting. Right. And then keeping it going. But mm-hmm. It's, that's the continuation of starting, right? <laughs> that part mm-hmm. of the conversation. So I'm all for that. And it and it's it's funny because, you know, if you work in a production company and a management consulting and stuff, you have to eventually be like, well, you're supposed to keep it going and <laughs> yeah. you should be consistent if you want a certain type of result. But if your result is to have fun and that's mm-hmm. why you're doing it, then that's how then that's that's how you do it. You have to let it go. You have to have fun. Yep. That's your check in. Those are your goals. I think that's a good thing to point out because it can get confusing. It's like, well, I want to have fun. There's very clear goals of what you were doing. And it was to, to connect with a friend. And connection's always cool. That's always a great way to, or great, mm-hmm. great reason to podcast, regardless of who you're trying to connect with. And then, ha- you know, have fun. You have to enjoy it. And it has to be something you like to talk about. Yeah. And, and now we're cool. very sure that we will not get possessed. We will not get haunted. And the things to and to not bring into your house. Ouija boards, keep them out. Can't can't even buy one for fun. Okay, so spooky checklist. No yeah. Ouija board in the house. No. What else? Oh, don't say demons' names or joke that you're letting them in. They'll come, no matter if you believe in them or not. Uh, okay. We, <laughs> 
uh, and then st- be careful of the internet forums because you'll find every sort of weirdo who believes they're every sort of monster and uh, they believe it. So I believe it. And y- you, if you want to delve, delve, but be warned, it's dark and it's deep. Ooh. Perception <laughs> is reality. That's right. Yeah. Ooh, that's so interesting. Okay, great. Thank you. <laughs> um, so I'm going to segue into the other podcast that you created called mm-hmm. Art Sistery. Mm-hmm. And if you don't mind, I'm going to read the synopsis of that sure. um, real quickly, just to give people a good snapshot of, of what it is. It's a weekly educational and comedic art history podcast where you spent seven months traveling the world to conduct research into historic and current affairs in the art industry. Mm-hmm. I think that's so incredible. And that's what you were asking me about when we talked that very yes. first time. How do I, I want to travel the world and yeah. go to art museums. And what do I do? <laughs> yeah. How do I do this? I was like, whoa, okay, cool. This is <laughs> the coolest conversation. And I don't remember what I said. Probably told you to prepare a bunch and save a bunch of money. And you said you had money saved up. But that's kind of where we left it in terms of what I know in -hmm. regards to your process. I know that you did it. And Mm -hmm. it took, it said seven months, right? You did it for seven months. months. Yeah. Do you want to just tell us a little bit about what preparing for that process was like? And then we'll talk about what it was like actually doing it. Sure. So that was the question I'd ask myself when I like had that realization that I could get hit by a bus at any point and I should try to be happy now. So I asked myself, what makes me happy now? And I was like, well, if I had it my way, if I could like swing that pendulum closer, I would want to travel the world with my sister and talk about art. That was like the things I was into. And so I was like, let's do it and we can have a podcast about it and that'll give us like guidelines for what we're going to do where we're going to go because when you're just like let's travel the world there's a lot of world (laughs) true yeah (laughs) uh so it it really helped us like focus in on like where we would go what we'd want to do what our priorities were and i was like the first idea and then i was like okay but if it's a podcast like why who's gonna listen what for like why would they want to listen to me and I have always loved art history ever since that first class I had with Joy back in high school because she proved to me that like history is stories about famous people, right? History stories about politicians and wars and kings. Art history is stories about artists. Artists are and have always been just insane weirdos, like always the extreme, always doing crazy shit and I was like these stories are incredible and nobody thinks so nobody looks at that painting of Jesus and knows that it's Caravaggio's hot little twink boyfriend that he hired to be his artist assistant they don't know and I need to tell them it's so amazing like people don't know that the Mona Lisa was stolen and Picasso got like taken to court and accused over it he didn't mm. steal it, but he did steal other stuff from the Louvre. Like, really? Are, yeah. Yeah, he did. Picasso. For shame. <laughs> Culturally insensitive way. It was all like the quote unquote, like primitive stuff that nobody cared about. But um, uh, interesting. They got they got the Mona Lisa back. But like, I, I had all these stories in my head that I had loved. And I had like all these things that I wanted people to realize about art. And I could take art off the pedestal. And I asked my sister, like, what's our look going to be? And she was like, it's going to be a beautiful painting with stickers all over it. And we're going to draw all over it and say, like, this, we're taking this art to where we are. It's made by human beings. It is not sacred. It is art. And we can all laugh at it. We can all laugh with it. And, like, make it accessible, basically, and share this love that we had about art, how it made us feel alive, and see if, like, other people could get excited about that, too. Wow. Yeah. And you know what? As you're telling me this, I remember talking about wanting to make it accessible, and I thought that was so Mm -hmm. cool. Um, Also, super, like, sister cred to your sister who just was like, yeah, let's do it. Like, yeah, let's leave our lives. (laughs) Yeah, she was living in New York at the time, and I was like, what if we just did this? And she was like, let's go. (laughs) That's so cool. 
so what did you do to actually so that's the preparation of the concept Mm -hmm. which I think is brilliant and your artwork by the way is also really awesome I I really like your pod your pod artwork oh thanks it's it's rare that I really love someone's pod artwork probably because I look at it so much so many different ones but I like yours it's unique and it totally speaks to what it is it's hard to accomplish that Mm -hmm. so what did you do in preparation to actually take a seven month trip around the world and pragmatically like what did you need to take with you to actually record a podcast right so we had decided that the point was to like see the art in person because so much is lost when it's in a book or on a screen or something but we didn't want to record in a museum because we didn't want to have that like element of like sort of like reporter on the scene vibe i feel like whispering you're like okay yeah um, over here is <laughs> right we wanted to like go to a gauguin painting and like flip it off and be like fuck this guy and i'm sure that the other museum patrons wouldn't really love that if we were doing that right, in a, in right. a quiet gallery so we basically took our, just our laptops a mic and a little pop filter because our audio friend was like your p's and your s's are bumming me out Uh, wait okay what kind of microphone because just for the for the geeks out there oh yeah so this is super old i bought this when i started spooky shit so it's like probably not the top of the line but it's a audio technica microphone it costs like 70 dollars, and i i did the editing myself with on my laptop and i was like sounds good enough (laughs) you know great what did you use what was the software i just took what i learned from art school and like animation school so i edit my audio on final cut I know it's not an audio program, but yeah, that's a lot I of edited. people do that. By the way, a lot of video people who move into audio edit on their video platform software, their DAWs for that. Yeah, yeah, I think it's easy, and I mean, I do some of the audio adjustments in Audacity where I record because Audacity mm. is free, and so yes. I record through there. I'll do some of the audio adjustments on there. I had a very good friend and lovely audio engineer, Kiernan. Uh, help me figure out the settings to make my voice not sound terrible and just went shout with out that. to Kiernan because she yes. works for us now too and she's amazing I really really love her yeah she's super cool so she helped me when I was like what are these audio terms and very simply we took that and then we would book airbnbs wherever we went try to find like the quietest room get far enough away from each other so our mics wouldn't pick up each other while we were talking and record like that amazing Love that. Yeah. Cool. So it's not as um, complicated as it might sound or seem. No. uh, Because it sounds like I could overthink it very easily, I think. Mm -hmm. And someone who hasn't podcasted before could also very easily overthink how to do that. Yeah. We didn't book like international studios or anything. Like (laughs) I knew that wasn't going to be possible. I was like, we have a mic. We have laptops. It can fit in our backpacks. Like, let's just go. Love that. So... What did it, like, literally, what did it cost? Like, how did you fund this? So Um, that people have an idea of, like, oh, maybe I should save up some money if I want to travel the world. Yeah, so I am very, very fortunate and very, very privileged, I know, to have a very, had a well-paying job uh, that I could save up money while I was working. And so I also recognized that when I was making these choices that, you know, I have the ability, I could save up money. I paid for my sister as well so basically everything Mm -hmm. I saved was a whole thing and I was like I'm young I don't have kids I don't have a partner I'm gonna blow it all (laughs) on this year of traveling and then figure it out later so it costs like 25 to 30 thousand dollars for the for the trip we realized like you know we tried to do hostels and then I think like the first one we stayed in my sister and I were like yeah, we're too old for this. <laughs> we, need, <laughs> we need like a closed door. We need like a quiet place to record. And we can't be like hounded by 19 year olds every night, like every Wednesday night to go party. It's very mm-hmm. sweet. I love to meet these people. But like, we need our own place. So we booked Airbnbs. And we took trains, we took short little flights. And yeah, we made it work. That's so amazing. Um- <laughs> What was your, okay, so two things. What was your favorite takeaway? And then what was something that surprised you about the experience? Takeaway from the traveling or the podcast? Yeah, from the whole experience of of whatever you want, actually. It could be about the podcast specifically, or it could be about the journey 
of the traveling during all of this? Yeah. Um, I think, like, the the hardest thing to realize during the traveling was trying to balance the, like, having fun, doing fun things, and, like, not blowing all my money immediately so we couldn't do the rest of it, and also, like, continuing to make the podcast, having time to do the work. So we immediately realized what our priorities were, and, like, it was going to museums, it was eating good food, we started taking more, like, tours, so we would have, like, some guidance, like just a simple walking tour, just more guidance of what was going on to get the learning in. Because a lot of the learning we had to do is just like researching, you know, online. And it it helped so much to like go to the place, find these people who knew about the cities and like let them teach us. I was like, oh, this teaching thing, this learning thing, like a student again, like that feels really, really good when it's what you want when it's a thing you're interested in and you're talking about other people who are like into it as much as you are. So sort of realizing how to blend the fun and the research and the work. And then when it had to be separate, like how to prioritize. Wow. Yeah. That, that's, that is quite the lesson, the organization of it and like the yeah measuring the expectation of like, okay, this is, this is, this part is for this, this part is for mm-hmm. this still having fun. Like, well, that's how mind works. Like, you think it's all like, like my whole thing is like being free and having fun. But my mind is like, this category is like this time slot. You know, it's all very organized. It's compartmentalized in, yeah. in a sense, it sounds, but in a good way where it works together. And it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's a good way to approach things, I think. Yeah. So that's good advice. If we put that into the form of advice, it's, you know, measure out, you know, do some designations, do some compartmentalizing, like figure out mm-hmm. what what amount of time and money you're going to set aside for X and then making sure that you wrap fun and joy around it with the content and with the Mm -hmm. experience. I think that's really the takeaway of this episode, honestly. Yeah. Which is why I wanted to have you on because of this, this journey you went on is so unique and then really found the, the perfect balance between those, those things. Yeah. And it was sort of like in everything we did, like at a museum, we would spend like the first hour doing the podcast stuff, like taking the pictures we needed, making the content we needed to make, like seeing the art we wanted to make. And then we would spend the next hour, two hours, like drawing art that we like, just looking at stuff, just like actually enjoying the museum. And the podcast went away. It was like Mm -hmm. a clear designation between what was this fun work of the podcast and what was like enjoying the museum that's that's great that you can do that and I think it almost sounds like having a partner in that really helped like having someone there who was in the game it's almost like holding each other accountable for the fun parts too because Mm -hmm. it would be great to have someone I mean I I guess I have that now my partner holds me accountable for for having fun (laughs) yes when he's not around I forget to have fun often and and I think that accountability is important so it's great that you got to do that with your sister yeah I mean we actually had um we we kind of had those roles automatically because I'm much I'm the worker like I I had this project it came for me I wanted to get it done and mm-hmm. so when Danny saw me like being stressed and and trying to be a perfectionist we had like a safety word and she would say crazy rich Asians which was the movie that I watched when I was being super stressed one time and she was like, stop, we're watching Crazy Rich Asians. So that was my <laughs> word to stop. For her, like, if she was, uh, like, getting, getting like, super distracted and things weren't going right, we had to focus. For her word was bananas. So <laughs> <laughs> we, we kept, we literally kept that balance for each other. I love that you had safe words for each other. That is so yeah. cool. It's very, it's very like sister stuff too, I think. But yeah, I would love to incorporate that into my life somehow. It's helpful. <laughs> and, gonna, and you yeah. you only use them when you need them and you've got to respect them. Like even if I want to like, you know, go crazy on whatever I was working, if I heard crazy rich Asians, like we're doing a fun thing. I love that. Oh my gosh. So speaking of... <laughs> fun things I know that you wrote down all the countries you went to so do you want to just like share with us real quick all the places that you went 
Yeah, sure. Um, so we started with a USA tour. I was like, if we're going to travel, we might as well like, see the country we're already in. So we did like a road trip all around to like, we basically drove to New York and then drove down the coast, like through the south to get back mm-hmm. home. A myriad of cities. And then in Europe, we sort of focused on Western art because that's what we knew about. So we did St. Petersburg, Copenhagen, Berlin, Prague, Paris, Lyon, London, Budapest, Madrid, Barcelona, Venice, Florence, and Rome. And then we went to Japan because we wanted to. And so we went to Fukuoka, Kyoto, and Tokyo. That was our last stop. Tokyo's the last stop. Wow. Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. And it, it was, was very a little cool. bit of like a teaser for people who were for all of us who are like, oh, my God, I'm, I get to go outside again. <laughs> yeah, like... it was insane. I got back. We got back in like November or something. And then it was a few months. And then, hey, ding dong. It's in it's inside time. Wow. Like what an amazing time. Like the timing is so yeah. amazing because you got it all in before yeah. we all had to ground and like land our little planes into our homes for the next year I was in sync with something with the timing I don't know but it worked completely I'm hearing that throughout your your journey is just you know answering the call you just keep answering the call which is what we can all aspire to is we want to try to be open to answer the call and Mm -hmm. I, I love that and the and the alignment that you speak of to me this feels very aligned when you tell your story about how all of this happened I try and like even even the trip was like a swing too far like I realized halfway through that I was like I need a home like I need my friends I need just to like sit in a place that I know is mine for like a minute Mm -hmm. and so even that I realized was like too far I couldn't do that travel all the time lifestyle so now swinging back to finding a balance of like traveling here like staying home there it doesn't Mm -hmm. have to be seven months at a time that's a good realization. Was there any other kind of like thing that you noticed about yourself when you were going through this experience? Uh, I think one of the big things that my sister and I both realized was like we had to like check ourselves when it came to how we felt about art and seeing art and our like access to it because we felt, you know, like we needed to see the piece we cared about it the most we knew the most about it and anybody else there who's just running through on a tour group like didn't know about it like we would get annoyed that they were there we would get annoyed that they were like in the way and like because lots of people they'll come in in huge tour groups you know and they'll take over a whole space and they'll like blast through and they only want to see the like quote-unquote famous ones and Mm. I was feeling very like superior about that and I remember we having like a discussion with each other and thinking like we don't have any more right to this stuff than anybody else it does not matter how you're looking at the art how you're enjoying it if it's for one second if it's to just take your picture and to leave or if you want to spend like an hour with it it's the most important thing to you like everyone's right to see this is the same so we had to like recognize that while we were trying to make this accessible we already had this sort of like elitism about oh but we know about it we care about it more so we should be able to see it where we had to like really check ourselves about that and say like it actually doesn't matter whatever you're getting out of it that's important and that the value is the same that's a great that's a great self-reflection realization moment like Mm -hmm. okay this is what we're trying to do are we actually doing that like are we are we internally feeling and digesting this concept right so can you can you give someone a little bit of advice who may also be looking to create something that feels a little ambitious and a little different than what the standard podcast interview style looks like like what we're doing right now Mm -hmm. yeah um I think like ask yourself the question that I asked myself at the beginning which was why do people want to listen to you what are you saying why would anyone want to listen? And that's something I learned from working in entertainment. Like, why does anyone want to watch this? Why this main character? Why their story? And I don't think you have to be something important or special or whatever, but like having the perspective of like, I want people to get this out of my podcast was a big one for us. And even if that's just like spooky shit of like, I want 
Hope and I to stay in touch. And and anybody listening doesn't really matter. Like just getting clear on what that motivation is and that purpose is, I think was huge for just like figuring out, okay, what is it? Because it could be so many things. So having that clear, like, this is what it does. This is what it's for made it a lot easier to figure out down the line. That's awesome. It's true. It's connecting to the why, connecting to Mm -hmm. why the two sides of the why. So there's two that you mentioned, actually, there's your why, Mm -hmm. why you want to do it and being clear on whether maybe that's the more important why for some with spooky shit, that's the more important why, Mm -hmm. why the two hosts want to create it. And the rest is fine if it happens or if it doesn't. And then the other why is, you know, why someone else shows up what Mm -hmm. what is their why why do they want to listen yeah what are you offering them that could be a takeaway or just a and takeaways can be a feeling they can be oh it makes me laugh or i like the sound of that person's voice even or yeah any of that can be wise it can be simple or they can be complicated like it's informational it's controversial it's educate you know whatever yeah yeah so that that's really good advice and now we're coming to an end, <laughs> which I which I could talk to you forever. But how can people connect with you? Is there a way that people can find you or see your art? Yeah, um, I have an Instagram that I post on very sparsely because I only post when I want to. And it's at Brandy Brandy Buck. And the first Brandy is with an I and the second Brandy is with a Y. As you remember, I got my start because of Lord of the Rings. So <laughs> that's there. Um, and then we have all the social media for Art History at Art History. And it's, you know, on all the different podcast apps. We have the same thing for spooky shit. You just might have to search a little harder because it's an asterisk for the I because Google doesn't like swears. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. And, and I will say that we like in this pendulum swinging, we are rebranding Art History to be something more uh, simple and more like spooky shit. So we're branding that soon. So it's going to become Art Shit so we can have our network of shit podcasts. So everything that. feels on that same level of like, we're doing this because we want to. But that's that's to come. If you want like the Art History stuff and this original trip, like you can find that now on all the podcast apps. That is wonderful. Thank you, Brandy. Thank you for joining me and for sharing as much as you did and dropping so much wisdom about your experience. And and yeah, just just thank you. Thanks for having me on. And thank you for uh, hiring me so I could, you know, live. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my gosh. You're so welcome. (laughs) I can make my spreadsheets and see the sun. It's an incredible combination of things. I love it. Same. And you're, you're carving out more time for me to see the sun with all of your spreadsheets. It's a good it's a good win-win. <laughs> it's a it's a definite win-win. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Be Bold Begin. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so as not to miss an episode. So the best way to ensure you get all the new episodes is by subscribing. Help us build a positive community by joining the Facebook group also called Be Bold Begin. I'll be checking it daily to answer and acknowledge any of your questions and comments. Stay positive and safe out there.